Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 26 of the 2023 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And I'll tell you what, it's really excitement time, if you will, because as of this recording, it's early Monday, April 10th, which means we are just 17 days from the draft. Thursday, April 27th. That's actually my brother's birthday, by the way. Uh, So I I can't wait for the draft to begin in Kansas City. And before we jump into the podcast itself, just a quick update on uh, my pec tear and the the surgery. We're actually now uh, a little over three weeks post-surgery. Physical therapy going well. Actually being able to get some of those exercises in, be able to go to the gym a little bit, be able to get to the cardio, some semblance of normalcy. So we're slowly getting back into things, still in the sling for another three weeks, and then we'll be able to start getting a little bit more aggressive with things, but still very very small movements at this point just to improve range of motion. Uh, But man, I'll tell you what, it was really nice to be able to to start getting a a decent workout together, uh, even if it is just some of these slight movements just to be able to start working that shoulder and and that pec muscle out a little bit. So, as I mentioned, this is episode 26. It's also the third installment of the positional rankings. We've already talked about the quarterbacks and the running backs, and now we're going to go ahead and take a look at the wide receiver position. And I think when everyone looks at the receiver position, the first thing that everyone wants to say is, is look, you know, this isn't a, a, a draft where you have the star power at the top. Right? There's, there's nobody that really stands out as the guy, a number one, an alpha, if you will, or a group of guys in the case of 2022. So when you look at the last five drafts, that's what we've been doing. We're going back and taking a look at, at past drafts because in order to understand how the draft is going to play out this year, we do have to go back and take a look at the past, see how teams have been drafting at that position to kind of move forward. So 2018, uh, this was a draft where we didn't have a ton of big-name receivers there at the top of that draft. Uh, we ultimately had 33 receivers taken, but if you think about it, you know, we had DJ Moore coming off the board at, at number 24 overall, Calvin Ridley at 26. Those were really the only two names at, at the top that, that really got everyone excited. We saw a bunch of guys, though, come off the board on day two, primarily in round number two. So that was a draft with Cortland Sutton, Christian Kirk, uh, James Washington, DJ Chark, Michael Gallup, uh, Traquan Smith, all coming off the board on day two of the draft. Uh, And then as you go into day number three, Marquez Valdez-Scantling turned out to be a steal for the Packers there in round number five. Uh, Cedric Wilson, Cowboys, Dolphins, He's actually coming off the board in round number six that year. So, you know, again, you can find some receivers through all three days of the draft. But again, this was a draft class where we didn't have a star power at the top. And it kind of showed as you kind of moved through the draft itself. 2019, similar story. Just 29 receivers taken. At the top, you had Marquise Brown going to the Ravens at number 25 overall. And then Nikhil Harry at number 32. But here's where it gets kind of crazy. Just think about this for a second. A.J. Brown, Nicole Hardman, Paris Campbell, D.K. Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, all taken in round number two, and all of those guys were within 15 picks of each other. So you saw, you know, with the exception of, of Debo, 
because Debo was taken with the 36th overall pick, the fourth uh, fourth pick of round number two. But but the rest of those guys, they were all bunched together. We saw Terry McLaurin come off the board in round number three. We know what he's meant to the Redskins. Uh, Hunter Renfro, you want to talk about a steal for the Raiders, picking him up uh, with the 11th pick in round number five, number 149 overall. Darius Slayton has been a nice vertical threat for the Giants. Another fifth round pick. 171 coming off the board so again you can find receivers all three days of the draft but this was also a it was really kind of a weird draft in, in that uh, you know th there wasn't the hype around a lot of the receivers and uh, day two of the draft really panned out so when you're talking about some of these receivers and you look at it you say you know what there isn't a true number one you can get guys middle to late day one into day two you know that that's that's going to be okay. There there's there's going to be some teams that are going to say, look, I can wait for a receiver because there is some depth in the draft in some of those middle rounds, and we'll get to some of those receivers that we're going to be looking at this year. 2020, obviously, this was the year where we saw a ton of receivers come off the board. That's right, six. Uh, you know, Henry Ruggs was the first one taken there by the Raiders. We know what happened with him with the off-field uh, off-field issues. Jerry Judy, Ceedee Lamb. Coming off the board, we know what happened with Jalen Rager there to the Eagles. One pick later was Justin Jefferson to the Vikings, and we know what he's meant to the state of Minnesota. And then Brandon Ayuk there at number 25 overall. But look, it didn't stop there. All the receivers there in round number two that also made an impact. T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, LaVisca Chanel, K.J. Hamler, Chase Claypool, Van Jefferson, all coming off the board there in round number two. Devin Duvernay in round three. Gabriel Davis, round number four there, coming out of Central Florida to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, so when you look at, again, the draft class, K.J. Osborne falling to round number five. Donovan Peoples-Jones has been a nice impact there for the Browns. Quez Watkins to the Eagles, both of them coming off the board in round number six. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, a guy that's been able to stick there with the, the, the New York football giants, as Chris Berman calls them. He was a, a, a late sixth-round pick in that draft as well. Jawan Jennings has seen the field a little bit there with the 49ers in round number seven. So, again, you can get, pick up some receivers, but it's really difficult to find those guys late that can make an impact. 2021, ooh, this was a beautiful draft at the top. Jamar Chase, you know what he did with, with, with Joe Burrow, what he's continued to mean there in Cincy. Jalen Waddell. Devontae Smith, Kadarius Toney. Rashad Bateman has struggled with injuries there with, with the Ravens, so we'll have to see how that pans out. But then you get to, to the second round, Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, uh, Terrace Marshall, some solid role players there coming off the board. Uh, Josh Palmer in round number three to the Chargers. Uh, Nico Collins has meant a lot there to, to the Texans, a bigger receiver there in that offense. Amon Ross St. Brown, number 112 overall. This is the guy who knows the names of all 16 receivers taken ahead of him, and you can tell that he plays with a chip on his shoulder there in Detroit. A lot of fun to watch there. Then you get to 2022, last year's draft. At the top, we saw Drake London, Garrett Wilson come off the board in the top 10, but then we saw the Saints and Lions trade up for back-to-back -back picks with Chris Olave and Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams, you know, battled injury. We're going to get to see really what he can do here in uh, in 2023 paired up with Amon Ross St. Brown. 
Uh, really going to be excited to see what happens there in Detroit. Jahan Dotson went with the Commanders. Traylon Burks battled some injuries there with the Titans. But look, that was six receivers coming off the board in the first 18 picks. Are we going to see that this year? No chance. Christian Watson, Wandale Robinson, both meant a great deal to their teams, the Packers and Giants respectively. John Mechie, finally, hopefully healthy, battle leukemia. Hopefully we'll get to see him in a Texans uniform this year. George Pickens has meant a lot to the Steelers, as has Alec, uh, Alec Pierce to the Colts. They were second-round picks as well. Um, you know, Danny Gray for the 49ers has been a vertical threat. Gotten to see a little bit of time, a little bit of action. Romeo Dubs, round four as well to the Packers. Calvin Austin to the Steelers in round four. Expecting him to, to play, do some big things for Pittsburgh. Uh, Khalil Shakir has been a nice uh, third receiver there for, for the Bills. Uh, he was taken in round number five. Same with Kyle Phillips. I think he's going to have an expanded role for the Titans there in 2023 as well. So you look at that draft class, just 28 in 2022. 2021 really that was, was the, the year that we saw a ton of receivers come off the board, 34. So we're looking right around 32 receivers as a five-year average. And that's exactly how many receivers I have coming off the board in 2023. So if you just play by the numbers, it seems like you know, we, we've got about the right number of receivers selected here. So we're going to go ahead and go through the receivers by round, really what I kind of see playing out for this draft, and talk about a few guys that I think could either be a, a late round pick or potentially be one of those priority free agents that could stick with the roster. Uh, quite a few of these receivers I think will end up uh, that aren't drafted will end up uh, as uh, practice squad guys and still end up making an NFL team that way. So when we get into the first round, I think really the question mark is, is who's the number one receiver? And we've heard a lot of people say, well, it's Quentin Johnson, it's Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba. But the name that's really starting to rise is Zay Flowers. They're out of Boston College. He's just 5'9". Uh, he was playing right around 172 pounds, somewhere around there. He put on 10 pounds of muscle before he hit the combine. Still goes out and runs a 4'4", 240. But the beauty of Zay Flowers is the, the damage that he was able to do there at BC, despite really playing in an offense that was geared for the run, uh, really inconsistent play, uh, throwing the football around, still managed 78 receptions, over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns on uh, on the year. And this guy, when you watch the route running, the suddenness, his ability to, to make his breaks without slowing down, uh, his ability to come back to the football, attack the ball in the air, you know, he's got the shorter arms, and he will struggle at times at the catch point, but you just love the explosiveness. You love his ability to just create separation with that route running, and then he has the speed to, to beat you deep. If you're talking about an undersized receiver, is he going to be a number one? Look, people didn't say anything about Antonio Brown when he was getting the job done with Big Ben in Pittsburgh, and look, Antonio Brown shows up at the Combine, 5'10", 186 pounds, runs a 4'4", 840. Zay Flowers, we know, is, is an inch shorter, but everything else is pretty comparable. So I, I think Zay Flowers will be just fine there at the next level, and I expect him to do big things. I've got him actually coming off the board, number 14 overall to the New England Patriots. They need a number one. And, and frankly, when you look at Juju Smith-Schuster, he had his best years playing with Antonio Brown, so I think this will be a, a perfect fit for them there at number 14 overall. 
Then we're going to go ahead and transition to Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's going to be the guy I think is going to be number two off the board. He could very well be the number one receiver. I think he actually goes in that second hole. I'm looking right around that 20th pick there to Seattle. They need a third receiver. I think he'd be a great pick there. You have DK Metcalf and you have Tyler Lockett, but you need a guy there in the slot for Geno Smith. I think that'd be a great addition. The other team to look out for is the Chargers. I think the Chargers are really going to be on the hunt for, for B. John Robinson, especially because Austin Eckler is asking for a trade. But when you look at them at that receiver spot, and you've got Keenan Allen, what's his future with the team going to look like? Then you have Mike Williams. Again, you need a guy in the slot. You need a guy that's going to be able to get open. And JSN did a lot of his damage there at Ohio State in the slot. Now, obviously, we know he, he battled in the hammy in, in 2022, only played in three games, just five receptions. But, man, 2021, come on. 95 catches, over 1,600 yards, and nine touchdowns. The last time we really saw him in a Buckeye uniform that season, I mean, everybody remembers that Rose Bowl game there against against Utah. You know, And when you talk about his stats and his numbers, that was also in an offense with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. He was kind of that, that third guy in that group. And I'll never forget the broadcast that they had there, ESPN, uh, they, they were talking to the three of them, and both Olave and Wilson said that JSM was the most explosive of the trio. But against Utah, he was the number one guy. Olave, Wilson, they were sitting because of the draft. Puts up 15 catches for 347 yards at 23.1 yards per reception and three touchdowns. Runs a 4.49.40 at the combine. So we know that, hey, that Hammy, he's all the way back from it. Not terribly explosive, but a guy that knows how to get open. Runs really good routes as well. I look at JSN. I think he'd be a nice fit. He's my number two receiver, and I think he's comfortably there. Uh, could come off the board as high as 12 to, to Houston. Green Bay at 15 would also be a fit, but I think Seattle and, and the Chargers probably, that, that makes the most sense. After that, um, you know, Quinton Johnston out of TCU, 6'3", 208. Uh, a guy that, uh, you know, I, I, again, he's running sub 4'5", um, and, and you're talking about a guy that's six foot three, absolutely ridiculous in terms of of that size speed ratio, and a guy that just knows uh, how to beat guys deep. You know that's one of the things, the vertical threat. You know that's one of the things that that definitely stands out when you watch uh, TCU Horn Frog football. Bottom line, um, but you know a guy look 60 catches. Over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns, and that was even after that, that TCU offense struggled to get the ball to him early on. He really had a breakout. His career, 19 yards per reception, is proof that he could be a legitimate deep threat. The issue with it is uh, you know, some of the contested catches, he doesn't always get that full extension. You'd expect him to use his length to his advantage. Doesn't always do that, so that catch radius can, you know, can cause issues. Not all the time, but there are instances where you've seen that on film. You've seen some drops on film as well. And then you worry about, can this guy come over the middle? You know, can he run some of those other routes? That's not going to be one of those verticals. But that's really the other thing that you really want to see out of him. I'm looking at the Ravens there at 22. Look, I know that they already have Rashad Bateman. They just signed OBJ. But I still think they need wide receiver help. Adding Quentin Johnston to the mix, give them that legit deep threat to go along with OBJ and Rashad Bateman. Then you have Devin Duvernay that could line up in the slot. I think that just builds additional weapons around Lamar Jackson. You know, and I, I say Lamar Jackson because I think ultimately he will stay there in Baltimore when it's all said and done. After that, I got Jordan Addison out of USC coming off the board. 
173 ran a 449.40 at the combine as well. Um, seems 449 is kind of the popular time amongst these receivers. But when you watch Jordan Addison uh, play there at USC, um, you know he battled an, an ankle injury, right? And you saw him at his most explosive. Put on that Stanford film, watch him get vertical, watch him with his cuts, and really he did not slow down. You know, on any of those cuts that he was making. He was at full speed, making those cuts in the open field, and still just running away from guys. Caillou Blue Kelly tried, and the contact balance after that reception down the field, you know, we just we never got to see that explosiveness out of him. I, I don't feel that he was truly 100%. But, uh, man, he was one year removed from being the Blitnikoff Award winner there at, at Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett's lobbying to get him to go to, to Pittsburgh uh, and play with him. We know what the dynamic was with Burrow and, and Chase, Pickett and, and Addison. I mean, you know, that was a match made in heaven, but I just I don't see Pittsburgh pulling the trigger given the fact that they need help along the offensive line. Uh, they need pass rush help. They also need a, a you know a corner. Um, but stranger things have happened. You know, if you truly think that what's going to get things done for your, your, your program and, uh, you know, your franchise is bringing in a guy like Jordan Addison to pair up because we've already seen what happened with, with Burrow and Chase, that maybe it happens. You already have George Pickens. You have Deontay Johnson. Uh, Calvin Austin, I mentioned, was just drafted last year as well. Um, you know, I, I just don't know where Addison fits into their plans. Where I do see Addison going is the Giants. And I know that the Giants, they, they, they've drafted – uh, you know, a, a bevy of, of, of receivers. They have a ton on the roster. You look at it, they added Paris Campbell. They traded for Darren Waller, the tight end. They re-signed Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton to go along with Wondale Robinson. They've got Isaiah Hodgins on the roster. They've got Colin Johnson, Daniel Bellinger, the other tight end. So why would they draft another receiver? They lack a true number one wideout, really. And only Robinson and Slayton are under contract beyond this season. I think wide receiver does make some sense. I think that you know a lot of these guys were guys that were kind of thrusted in there because you know there were injuries. And I think you know the addition of Paris Campbell makes sense. You add Jordan Addison to this group as well, and I think that really just gives additional weapons to Danny Dimes. I think that's really what you need. I think corner is another area that the Giants could go for, but to me, Jordan Addison to the, to the Giants gives them that receiver that they could really use. Another team just kind of as a sleeper might be the Bills. The Bills need a, a number three receiver now that uh, Isaiah McKenzie is gone. I mentioned that Sh uh, Khalil Shakir is probably going to get the first crack at that, but... Um, you know, I, I think if you put in Jordan Addison in that group as well, that makes things really interesting for, for Buffalo. So I wouldn't rule that out as a destination for Jordan Addison as well. So ultimately, at the end of it, I have four receivers coming off the board in round number one. The one guy, the one wild card is Jalen Hyatt. And, and with Jalen Hyatt, I talk about him because the vertical speed reminds you of Corey Coleman and Will, Will Fuller. And those are two guys that were taken in round number one. Corey Coleman was taken number 15 overall, and, and Will Fuller was taken you know, in, in the 20s. Um, and, and both of those guys, the vertical threats, uh, taken higher than I think people were expecting, but uh, definitely guys that, that can take the top off of the defense. I look at Jalen Hyatt, ran that 4-4-40 at the combine, but at 6 foot, 176 pounds, this dude, uh, he, he's a vertical threat. He's a legit, you know, that's really what he was running there at, uh, at Tennessee. I don't see him coming off the board in round one because unlike the other two, 
you know, I know with Coleman there at Baylor, he didn't really run. You know, there was more of a limited route tree. But uh, I think at least in Will Fuller, he was asked to do a little bit more than just run a vertical route. Hyatt, to me, very limited with the route tree, but still the Bolitnikoff Award winner in 2022. 67 catches, over 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, and 18.9 yards per reception. Really had that breakout season. And uh, I'm looking at Houston. If Houston doesn't take a receiver at number 12, and I think D'Amico Ryans could very well end up taking the defensive end, they need to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. D'Amico Ryans is used to having those guys up front. So I think there's a great chance that we see a receiver come off the board in round two. And if Jalen Hyatt is sitting there, the fact that they traded away Brandon Cooks, they need that vertical threat. I think Jalen Hyatt would be a match made in heaven. The other guy, to, again, to consider would be Quinton Johnson there at 12. You know, it's a possibility. His name has been tied to Houston quite a bit. You know, if you're talking about verticals, again, Quinton Johnson would be that guy. So that, that's really, though, I, I think Jalen Hyatt should be a second rounder. I look at Josh Downs out of North Carolina. 5'9", 171, ran a 4'4", at the combine. Um, you know, guy who has shorter arms, just 30 and 3 eighths inch arms. So he's got those shorter arms. Jordan Addison also with some of the, short, the shorter arms as well. But, with, you know, these are two guys that I think play bigger, um, you know, their catch radius uh, than, than what you would expect to see out of them. And with Josh Downs, this is a guy who um, has, has that legit speed, right? I think that's something that, that jumps out when you watch his, his film. And he's one of those guys who I talk about receivers, um, and they're either quick or they're fast. But Downs is one of those guys who can do both. He has that quick acceleration, the deep speed to be a vertical threat, but he also has that, that shiftiness with his route running to bring easy separation as well. And look, you're productive. 194 receptions, over 2,300 yards, and 19 touchdowns in his final two seasons with the Tar Heels. And so that I think that's really the thing that kind of stands out for me with, with Josh Downs. And I look at Tennessee. Tennessee sitting there at number 40 overall. When you think about the Tennessee Titans, they've got Traylon Burks. They've got uh, Nick Westbrook as well. But what happened? Robert Woods is gone. He's no longer on the roster. You need another guy that can fill that role. And I think Josh Downs can absolutely be that guy. You know, there, there's a lot of talk that maybe Tennessee would take Jackson Smith and Jigba there in round number one. You're going to take receivers back-to-back -back years. You already have Traylon Burks there on the roster. I think they go either offensive line or potentially even a pass rusher there at 11, which would then allow them to take a guy like Josh Downs there in round number two. So again, you're already starting to see there's, there is some depth as we start moving into these day two picks. Cedric Tillman is another guy. They're out of the, the University of Tennessee, you know, Hyatt's teammate, 6'3", 213, ran a 4.5440 at the combine, about what we were expecting to, to see out of him. And with with Cedric Tillman, he was one of those guys that, you know, he battled injuries in 2022. We really didn't get to see him have his season, have his year, because 2021, when he was healthy, he was a 1,000-yard receiver, averaged just under 17 yards per catch, found the end zone 12 times, was really a guy that I think was – prime for he was the the guy that they were talking about as the balls receiver to be a potential Bolitnikoff award winner not Jalen Hyatt Jalen Hyatt really kind of had to step in once Cedric Tillman was battling those injuries and uh you know but Tillman look this is a guy he's not going to be the burner as we said but he does a great job tracking the ball deep 
He's not afraid to go over the middle. Has a knack for finding ways to create late separation to Holland in the pass as well. You love the large catch radius. Some of the best ball skills in this entire draft. I look at Tillman and I'm looking at, at Green Bay. Green Bay doesn't need to take a receiver in the first round. And, I mean, shoot, they haven't done so since 20, uh, 2002 when they took Javon Walker. But uh, I think Cedric Tillman could replace Alan Lazard. So then you have Watson, Dubs, and Cedric Tillman. That gives Jordan Love a good trio of receivers to throw to. I think the Packers will probably double up and take another receiver later on in the draft as well. But Tillman there in round number two makes a lot of sense. And then the other guy for me is going to be Marvin Mims junior out of Oklahoma. 5'11", 183, ran a blistering 4'3", 840 at the Combine. And this is a guy, look, Oklahoma asked him to run a lot of verticals. They they didn't really have him do a ton of the, the route running, whether it was over the middle, um, you know, any uh, shiftiness with the cuts with that route running. But ultimately, you saw that out of him at, throughout the pre-draft process. And that's one of the things I think that really kind of surprised everyone. This is a guy, look, over 19 yards per reception in his career. Um, you know, really the last two seasons, he's averaged over 20 yards per reception. 54 catches, just under 1,100 yards and six touchdowns this past season with Dylan Gabriel throwing him the football. I got to watch him live. And uh, look, the speed is legit. Uh, you know, and what you see there at the combine, what you saw on film, you watch him live and you understand exactly what we're talking about with that speed. I look at a team like the Eagles, you know, and, and hear me out. You know, the Eagles, you know, you, you talk about their, uh, their their receivers and, hey, they already have A.J. Brown. They already have Devontae Smith. Why would they take a receiver in round number, round number two? Well, they've got Quez Watkins as their number three, right? After that, who do they have? They've got Tyree Cleveland, Britton Covey, Greg Ward, Devin Allen uh, on the roster. I'm looking at that receiver group, and you put in Marvin Mims there, you know, a, a guy that can stretch the defense and, and get vertical when you want him to, but a guy that isn't afraid to go over the middle as well. And, uh, you know, it just spreads that offense out even more for Jalen Hurts and company. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith would love that addition as well. So I think that makes a ton of sense there at the end of round number two. Eagles, shoot, why not? Then you look at round number three, and here's where it starts to get interesting, right? A.T. Perry out of Wake Forest, 6'3 and a half, 198 pounds, uh, really long arms, over 30, uh, 33 inches, runs a 4.4740 at six foot three. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. And, and this is a guy again, the vertical threat, the vertical speed, definitely shows up. And you love the the catch radius. He tracks the ball really well. Uh, back to back thousand yard seasons, and uh, you know 26 touchdowns during that time frame. He's the guy to me that I think, uh, you know, I think of some of his ball skills. I, I think his ability to create for the Demon Deacons, and I, I think that At Perry makes a lot of sense there in round number three. Um, after that, Jonathan Mingo. Here's a guy that I think is rising up draft boards very, very quickly. 6'2", 220 pounds, ran that four four six forty at the combine. Also a thirty-five and a half inch vertical leap. And shoot, he ripped out 225, 22 times as well. So you, you see the strength. To, to go ahead and match the athleticism. If you watched him there at the Senior Bowl and you watched the one-on-ones, this was a guy with the route running, the feet, and the release. He, he was just, he was so quick. He was getting by guys. He was able to, to set guys up and, and really at, you know, at the stem, had them opening their hips, 
was able to then make that cut off of that and was wide open. 51 catches, 861 yards, and five touchdowns in 2022. 17 yards per reception. Look, you know, just seven over 1,700 yards in his career, and that's with Ole Miss. You know, the biggest thing was was look, you know, he only played in 15 games in his first two seasons there uh, with the Rebels. Um, but the breakout season 2022, I think he's actually going to be a better pro than he was even in, in college. Uh, you know, Lane Kiffin throwing the ball around to a lot of different players. You know, Malik Keith is a guy who I think has an outside chance of getting drafted. Um, you know, but Mingo, he, he's physical. He's a, you, you know you're going to get some nice blocking out of him as well. You love that physical presence. I think he's going to be a potential steal there in round number three. Um, other guys to watch out for, Rasheed Rice out of SMU. Um, if the, the Chargers don't take a receiver in round two, I think he'd be a great fit for them in round three. 6-1-204-4-5-1-40. I think he ran a lot faster than people were expecting. That 1-4-9 split um, was you know, second, tied for second to, uh, to only Trey Tucker at the combine. 41-inch uh, vertical leap as well. When you want to talk about production there with Rice, you have to... Uh, you know, just look at, at obviously SMU loved to throw the ball all around the yard, and Tanner Mordecai put up some in insane numbers as quarterback. But with Rice, look, 96 catches, 1,355 yards, 10 touchdowns. So even with an explosive offense, talk about that. This guy's still hauling in 96 passes. You know, the biggest thing is is for him is to cut down on those drops. You know, I think at one point, maybe you know some consideration as a as a potential late first round. People were trying to figure out who that receiver was going to be that would kind of slide up into that spot. We didn't exactly see that with Rasheed Rice throughout the pre-draft process. You start watching the film, you see some of the drops and things, lapses in concentration. But I think Rasheed Rice would be a nice uh, day two pick, uh, round number three. Chargers, you know, I think that'd be a nice fit. Trey Palmer out of Nebraska, another guy. Look, six foot one ninety two. Ran a blazing 4-3-3-40. That's right, 4-3-3. When you think about Trey Palmer, you know, obviously he transferred from LSU, shows up there at Nebraska. Nebraska didn't get the best quarterback play, and yet he was still a 1,000-yard receiver there for the Cornhuskers. Legit vertical threat. I think he's a guy to watch out for there on day number two, a guy that really stood out uh, throughout a lot of the workouts, the, the, the pre-draft process. Uh, especially in the All-Star Games. You saw him really step up there in the Senior Bowl, a guy to, to really be on the lookout for there, uh, you know, continuing to move up draft boards. Tyler Scott is another vertical receiver, ran a 4-4-4-40 at the Combine, 39.5-inch vertical leap, uh, over 11 feet in the broad jump as well, uh, 5'10 and 177 pounds, so he's not the biggest guy. Uh, but again, the vertical speed is something that definitely jumps off the film when you watch him play. He's the guy that, um, shoot, Green Bay could even use this guy. You know, when you talk about the receivers, they're lacking a guy, you know, guys that can get vertical. Uh, you know, Christian Watson we know has has some speed for a bigger guy. You put Tyler Tyler Scott there in the slot, you know, he could definitely make some things happen. A guy that you know found the, the end zone 14 times in uh, the last two seasons there with the Bearcats, uh, 899 yards receiving this past season. He, he's going to be a guy to watch. Uh, I think there's some that have him coming off the board in round two. I think round three, you know, is probably about the wheelhouse for him. Jaden Reed, 5'11", 187, 4'4", 5'40", at the combine. 
Not overly explosive though with, with some of the lower body explosiveness and the jumps, which I thought was a little bit surprising. Um, but this was a guy that was virtually uncoverable at the Senior Bowl. And I think that really you know bodes well for him. He's going up against some of the top corners in the country and they just could not cover this guy. And, and when I think about that, you think about you know a guy like Cooper Cup. You know, he ran a 46340 at the combine, um, but nobody could cover him at the senior bowl. He was creating separation left and right with his route running ability, and uh, he comes off the board in round three to the Rams. I look at, at Reed, uh, was a thousand yard receiver in 2021, comes back with, with 55 catches, 636 yards, and five touchdowns. Michigan State didn't really get the quarterback play that they were looking for. Obviously, Jalen Naylor wasn't there as well, but I think Jaden Reed is going to be a nice complimentary piece. He's another guy that I could see going to the Bills in round number three if they decide they don't want a receiver there in round two. I think that could definitely make a lot of sense. So if you're scoring at home, right now that gives us 14 receivers taken in the first three rounds of the draft. Now, how does that compare to, say, what we had a season ago? Last year, we had 17 come off the board there in the first three rounds. Year before that, we have 15. Year before that, 2020, shoot, there were 17 again. So I might be a little bit light. 2019 was the last time we actually saw uh, just 13 receivers taken in the first two days of the draft. I might be a little light. We may look at this draft class and say, you know what, there are probably a few more guys that we could go ahead and throw into that mix. But I, I look at this group, and I, I think you know the – there's depth in the middle rounds, and we're going to start seeing that, but I can't really make a case for too many more receivers to come off the board on day number two. Now, day three is going to be a different story. we got a lot of guys that uh, we're going to be seeing uh, jump off the board. The first guy is going to be Kayshawn Bouti. They're out of LSU, 5'11", 195, runs a 4'540", just a 29-inch vertical leap. Um, broad jump was under under 10 feet. It was really surprising when we saw that play out. Uh, but with Keishon Bouti, we know that the the explosiveness is there. Look, you know, three reception. I'm sorry, three receiving touchdowns against UCLA. But then there's the broken ankle, the two surgeries. I just don't know that he was all the way back. And that was one of the, you saw some flashes, especially towards the end of the season. There, there was a long touchdown there against Georgia, um, and you saw some of that explosiveness. But I, I don't think that he's quite returned to form. I think that ankle is bothering him, and that's why this is a guy who could have been a, a, a day two, possibly even a day one receiver going into the 2022 season. We were really forecasting him to be a guy that we could potentially see come off the board much sooner. Um, look, you know, just 48 catches for 50, 538 yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, really just staggering numbers there. 2021 just played in those six games, but it was one of those things when you look at 2021 and what he was able to do. I mentioned the three touchdowns there against UCLA and uh, explosiveness, what was absolutely there on display. Um, touchdowns in all but that final game there against Kentucky, uh, you know, Breaks that ankle in uh, October, early October 2021 against Kentucky. But before that, he had nine uh, touchdowns, had that nose for the end zone, had two games where he went over uh, 21 yards per reception, uh, a guy that was really the focal point of that LSU offense. And then we go into 2022, really struggled to find the chemistry with Jaden Daniels for much of the season. You know, the other thing that was really weird was he, he didn't declare for the draft, and then he did declare for the draft. 
you know, really some of those, those uncertainty with it. I think part of it was probably that ankle. So I think really the biggest thing for Keishon Bouti is teams have to be comfortable with that ankle. Um, he's a guy that could, could potentially see his draft stock continue to plummet. But I think fourth round actually feels like that makes a lot of sense. Michael Wilson out of Stanford, 6'2", 210. Uh, this is a guy, look, you know, he, he only played in six games in 2022, but uh, 26 catches for over uh, 400 yards and four touchdowns. This is a guy that we know can get vertical. We know that this is a guy that can make plays over the middle as well. He's got really good length. Um, you know, I think he could be a really solid possession receiver for you. Um, so I, I think fourth round feels about right for him. Tank Dell out of Houston. Good Lord. 5'8", 165, 44940. Uh, but he's a guy, he's going to be quicker than he is fast. And, and that's really going to be the biggest thing. You know, he, he sinks those hips, and he's so explosive coming out of those breaks that if you watched him at the Senior Bowl, nobody could cover this guy. You know, he had guys turning turning inside, and he was going outside, uh, and vice versa. Uh, the double moves were absolutely ridiculous. And look, you know, at Houston, we know they're going to throw the ball all over the place. But he was the number one receiver there for Clayton Toon and company. And uh, gosh, 228 receptions in just three seasons there with the Cougars. Over 3,100 yards and 32 touchdowns. 29 of those coming in his final two years. Back-to-back -back seasons with over 1,300 yards receiving. Explosiveness is absolutely there. Playmaking ability, absolutely there. And uh, he's one of those sleepers kind of flying under the radar that teams are going to look at and say, you know what, we've got to have this guy on our roster. Round number five, I'm looking at, at Charlie Jones out of Purdue. 5'11", 175, runs that 4'4", 340 at the Combine. And what I love about Charlie Jones is this is a guy that transferred from Iowa. He decides, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and move within the Big Ten and play with a guy that I grew up, grew up with in um, Aiden O'Connell. And the, the chemistry was ridiculous. 110 receptions, 1,361 yards, 12 touchdowns, but you watch the precise route running and then the speed. You know, the, the speed was really something that, that kind of took me by surprise as I watched uh, Charlie play. I was expecting to, uh, to see a guy that was more nuanced with the route running and you know, the speed just wasn't necessarily going to be there. But, man, this guy, you know, it, the route running was there. He was able to create separation. But, you know, the explosiveness coming out of the out of the breaks and then being able to get vertically. Uh, you know, there was something that, you know, he gets vertical against DJ Turner in the Big Ten Championship. The ball was thrown to the inside. He's able to adjust to it as the ball was kind of underthrown a little bit, just a bit to the outside, allowed him to adjust, get under DJ, and then gets down the field for a 32-yard gain. Um, I think this is a guy who's who's an intelligent route runner, a guy that has incredible ball skills, does a great job, uh, you know, reading the reading the ball in the air, adjusting to it and making a play. I think Charlie Jones is one of those underrated receivers, a guy that's just going to be flying under the radar there. Dontavian Wicks out of Virginia, another explosive playmaker uh, for the Cavaliers, 6'1", 206. And look, yeah, he ran a 4.6240 at the combine, but we did see that 39-inch vertical leap. And look at that 4.62. I'm not overly concerned because I think about a guy like, you know, by the name of Anquan Bolden, who ran an incredibly slow time at the the combine. And I bring it up every year when we talk about receivers, especially receivers that we uh, are they going to show up and uh, and deliver some of those 40 times, and and who's ultimately watching their draft stock plummet. 
Well, Anquan Bolden was a guy that I actually had coming off the board in round one um, of the 20, I'm sorry, the 2003 draft. Then he goes out and runs that 47140 at the combine at six foot two, uh, 216. And uh, he wounds up, wound up getting drafted in round number two, number pick, pick 54 overall. And obviously we know the rest is history with, with what Anquan Bolden was able to do. Dontavian Wicks, 6'1", 206, runs a 4.6240. Just feels eerily similar. And Wicks wasn't a guy that people were considering as a potential first-rounder by any means. And I have him slated to come off the board in round number five. But when you look at what they were able to do, obviously we had the coaching change in 2022. I, you know, I put on the film from 2021. 57 catches, over 1,200 yards, 21.1 yards per reception, and nine touchdowns. Even as a freshman there in 2019, over 20 yards per reception. Yeah, he only caught three passes, but still, the explosiveness was there. This is a guy just under 19 yards per reception. This is a guy that knows how to make a big play, and I think a team is going to be really happy if they're able to nail him uh, there in round number five. Ronnie Bell out of Michigan, six foot 191, ran a 4.5440 at the combine. This is a guy, 38 and a half inch vertical leap. Um, a, a guy that, again, underrated in my opinion, and I think that's why you're going to see some of these guys come off the board in in round five. Is just because you know, a we're not talking about him, or, or b they're just they're underrated. Bell was a vertical threat. A guy that, that you know you knew could get get deep at, at, at any given time for the Wolverines uh, in 2021. You know, just played in, in one game and uh, has that 76-yard uh, reception for a touchdown. And you're looking at it going, okay, Ronnie Bell could be that vertical threat. Decides to come out and enter the 2022 draft. Then he goes down to injury against Western Michigan, done for the year. Comes back, needed to really work on some of that chemistry with. J.J. McCarthy, but I think this is a guy that's going to be a nice complimentary receiver at the next level, and uh, round five makes a lot of sense. The other guy I've been toying with, with what to do with Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State. You know, Look, Bolitnikoff Award finalist, 6'2", 203, ran a 4'5", 340, so for a size, you know, that's not bad at all. Um, just, you know, he was under 10 feet in, in the broad jump, which I thought was weird. Um, 36 inch vertical leap isn't bad. But then you look at his three cone drill, you know, runs a 691, um, you know, which really, you know, when you look at the group, you know, that's one of the quicker times. Jackson Smith and Jigba, dude, runs a 657 three cone drill, which was absolutely ridiculous. And even more so was his 393 short shuttle. Uh, very, very explosive times, if you ask me there with JSN. But uh, very respectable times there for Xavier Hutchinson. I think people were really not expecting him to uh, to run as fast as he did in, in a lot of these aspects. When you look at, at Iowa State and their receivers, I think teams may be a little gun-shy thinking that this is going to be the next Hakeem Butler, and they're just completely different players. I think there's some more explosiveness to his game. Um, and you know, 83 catches for 987 yards, five touchdowns as uh, – I'm sorry, in 2021, and then follows that up. Overall, 100 receptions, 107 to be exact, goes over 1,000 yards and six more touchdowns. To me, when I watch Xavier Hutchinson play, he's not going to be overly explosive, but he's, he's incredibly reliable. You love the ball skills, the catch radius as well. Not afraid to go over the middle. You love the body control along the sideline as well. Fifth round feels about right with Xavier Hutchinson. Could he come off the board in round four? I think it's possible, but I think round five just feels about right. Round number six. Here's where some, some things get really interesting. Rakeem Jarrett out of Maryland. 
six foot, 192, 44440. This is a guy that I think can be incredibly explosive. And when you're talking about some of these receivers uh, on day two, one and two of the draft, if you're looking for one of those explosive vertical type receivers uh, and you don't want to spend a premium draft pick on a guy, then you could target Rakeem Jarrett in the fifth, sixth round range and get a guy that can absolutely open up the field vertically, a guy that is, is incredibly crisp with his routes underneath. Uh, he and Dante Demas, I thought were a really nice duo there for uh, for Talia Tagovailoa and, and company there with the Terrapins. Uh, but I think round five feels about, I'm sorry, round six feels about right for Rakeem Jarrett. Trey Tucker out of Cincinnati, 5'9", 182. Not the biggest guy by any means, but look, 4'4", 40, ran that 1.48 10-yard split that I mentioned earlier. And uh, look, this is a guy, he's going to be that, that vertical threat. He's going to be that, that speed merchant that you're going to want to put out there on the field. Speed kills, you cannot teach that. Um, you know Whether you'd like to or not, there, there's no way. Two kickoff returns for touchdown as well. I think Trey Tucker is a guy that could come off the board there in round six. Uh, Darius Davis out of TCU. When I mentioned the kick returns, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Darius Davis. This is a guy who I, I think could end up coming off the board in round number seven. I know we're still talking about round six, but it just reminds me that when we talk about returners, we have to mention Darius Davis. You know, a guy that looked just 112 receptions in his career, just over 1,500 yards, but uh, a guy that has six punt returns for touchdown. Another kicker off return as well, the explosiveness there. He's the guy that teams can take a flyer on. And look at he and Trey Tucker. They're very similar, uh, especially in, in body type. So I, I, when I look at the two of them, I, I almost see them as one and the same. Um, Parker Washington there at Penn State, 5'10", 204. A dude that just has a really weird build. Uh, just 29-inch arms, um, which, you know, again, incredibly short. Uh, so does Zay, Zay uh, Flowers, by the way. He also has incredibly short arms, uh, as does Trey Tucker, just 28 and 7 eighths. Uh, but Parker Washington, you know, he's 5'10", 204. He looks like a running back playing that position and uh, a guy that I thought had a much better year uh, in 2021 with Jahan Dotson at the helm um, but this is a guy that look he looks like a running back but he also plays like one when he has the football in his hands I think that's where he's going to get a look I think sixth seventh round some people have him in round five I think sixth to seventh round really feels about right for Parker Washington Matt Landers out of Arkansas is really an interesting dude. 6'4", 200, runs at 4'3", at the combine, 37-inch vertical leap for a dude that tall. You know, that's incredibly impressive. You know, if you watched him in uh, in the All-Star Games, another guy that really stood out, uh, you know, being able to create separation at will. You know, this is a guy, look, he played at Georgia for a couple of years, didn't really see the field much at all, uh, played in seven games for Toledo, and, uh, you know, look, he was a vertical threat there for the Rockets. Average, you know, 25.7 yards per reception there. And then at Arkansas, over 900 yards through the air, 19.2 yards per reception and eight touchdowns. He shared time there as, as one of the focal points in, in the passing attack with, with Jaden uh, Hazelwood. But when you think about Arkansas and you think about that team, obviously you had Rocket Sanders carrying the football. You also had K.J. Jefferson, who uh, was throwing the ball around but also was running the ball quite a bit. So at Arkansas, to be able to put up 900 yards within that offense, you know what he was doing. He was the guy that was going to be that, that vertical threat. A lot of play action. 
allow him to go ahead and beat his man one-on-one, get down the field in a hurry. You love the body control in the air, catch radius as well. Um, you know, To me, Matt Landers could potentially be a steal there in round number six. And then Bryce Ford Wheaton out of West Virginia, 6'4", 221 pounds. This is a big dude, really a, you know, long arms as well. And he comes out and runs a 4-3-8-40, 41-inch vertical leap. So worked out warrior yes i'd say so but if you watched him watched his game um you know, really the the mountaineers i know that you know this past season neil brown and company they struggled but bryce ford wheaton definitely put on a show 62 catches 675 yards and seven touchdowns but man this guy in the red zone was absolutely absolutely money just put the ball anywhere near him you love the body control being able to, to come down with the football um a guy that I thought just continued to make plays and uh, could be a weapon. You know, I, I just don't think that West Virginia utilized him the way that they really needed to. You know, he, this is the guy that you could throw down the field. He really uses frame more than anything else to kind of beat guys out in the red zone. I think he could end up being a better pro than he was, uh, you know, a player there for the Mountaineers. Just definitely a guy to keep an eye out for. Sixth round probably feels about right because. What you saw there at the combine didn't necessarily match what you saw on the film and the production, so there are definitely going to be some question question marks there more than anything else. Jaden Hazelwood, I mentioned him earlier, 6'2", 215, ran that 4'6", at the combine. Uh, not overly impressive there, but uh, you know, look, he transferred from uh, from Oklahoma. This was a guy that just really wasn't seeing the football as much as he would have liked with the Sooners, so he decides he's going to go ahead and transfer and ends up meeting up with. Matt Landers, who was in his third, you know, playing at his third school. And uh, look, you know, 59 catches, over 700 yards, three touchdowns. A guy that's not going to be a burner by any means, but you love the hands. You love, uh, you know, some of that route running ability. You, know, you love his ability to create separation late. A guy that's going to attack the football in the air. I think seventh round feels about right with him. I think some people have him coming off the board earlier. I just, I think seventh round uh, seems to make the most sense to me. Um, Jalen Cropper out of Fresno State. He and Jake Hayner, man, they really you know were a dynamic dude. He's a little bit of a slight build, 5'11", 172, runs a 4'4", 40, and uh, a guy that can be incredibly explosive. I think this was the guy that people were talking about as a potential sleeper receiver coming into the season, and uh, he's a guy, again, I think we could potentially see him uh, being a steal would he fall all the way to round number seven? It's entirely possible. Back-to-back uh, -back seasons, over 80 catches, went over 1,000 yards this past year, 21 touchdowns in his career. Uh, also, five touchdowns, rushing touchdowns as well. Um, he's a guy that I think is just Mr. Reliable and uh, is going to be one of those guys that uh, you, know, you can line up in the slot and he's going to make plays for you game in and game out. After that, um, you know, Justin Shorter, 6'4", 229, runs a 4554. I look at Justin Shorter, you know, potentially with, with Bryce Ford Wheaton, but definitely with Justin Shorter. I just look at him and he just has the feel of of, of a tight end. You know, I think that's really the big thing that kind of jumps out to me. So I, I don't know that Justin Shorter is gonna get drafted. If he does, it'll be round number seven. Makes a lot of things look easy. Um, because of his size, uh, played in just nine games this past season. If you'll remember, he was the guy that started his career there at Penn State, came to the Gators uh, for the 2020 season. Um, just 110 catches in his career, just over 1,500 yards and eight touchdowns. Played in just 11 games for the Nittany Lions, so I think that's part of why the production, if you look at it, you're like, well, 
I don't know, but you know, Florida as well. Obviously, we know what was happening with Anthony Richardson uh, being inaccurate for uh, Billy Napier and company, but I think Justin Shorter could be one of those reliable receivers uh, at the next level. Um, C.J. Johnson out of East Carolina, 6'1", 224. Another guy just he's, he's put together, man. He, he's very thickly built, and uh, you know when I look at him with the Pirates, he was a guy that I think continued to jump out, a guy that continued to make plays, and uh, thousand yard receiver this past season, ten touchdowns, and uh, he's one of those guys I think could be a fringe, fringe player potentially get drafted. Had three three games over. Uh, over 100 yards, just put on the game against South Florida. That's where he did his most damage. Seven receptions for 197 yards and four touchdowns. That's 28.1 yards per reception. And then Andre Iosivas out of Princeton. How could we not uh, include him in the mix? 6'3", 205, 4'4", 340, 39-inch vertical leap. Um, you know, just definitely an, an athlete. This is a guy that uh, is a track guy. Um, so I think that's something that definitely jumps out as well. A guy that I think is going to get himself drafted. Uh, I think over 900 yards receiving this past season, I want to say. Um, and I think there's going to be some continued development. He may end up seeing some time on a practice squad, but I think he's one of those guys that I think deserves a shot. And uh, you know, a guy that's probably going to end up being the top FCS receiver taken. Uh, Maybe the only FCS receiver taken in this year's draft. So we've hit our 32 receivers plus Darius Davis that I had to throw in there. Here's some other names to watch out for. Dante Demas out of Maryland, 6'3", 212, ran a 4'5", at the Combine. Another guy, look, he has that devastating injury and, uh, you know, in 2021, and you see him yelling that, you know, he's going to be back and, uh, you know, you just didn't see the same explosiveness coming out of Dante Demas. Um, but he's one of those guys that you want to you want to pull for because he's battling back from those injuries. Uh, Antoine Green out of North Carolina is a guy that I think is going to be interesting as well. 6'2", 199. Um, I was surprised to see him run sub 4'5", to be perfectly honest. Um, he's a guy that I think could end up potentially back end of this draft or potentially be a, a uh, undrafted free agent that could end up sticking. Um, bigger receivers, there are plenty. Michael Jefferson, 6'4", 199, out of Louisiana. A guy that, you know, look, he was able to get vertical a little bit there with the Raging Cajuns. He loved the catch radius. Ran just a 4'5", 640, so nothing to really write home about. But a guy that, I, I, I love the ball skills. You know, a guy that, you know, could be a deep threat for uh, for the Raging Cajuns as well. So I thought that was something that definitely stood out. Uh, Reggie Wayne's nephew, Jalen Wayne, there at, at South Alabama is an interesting guy. 6'2", 210 pounds, and uh, look, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I tuned in and watched uh, some Jaguar football to get an eye on Jalen Wayne, uh, a, a guy that I think could be a really solid possession receiver at the next level. 58 catches, 816 yards this past season, nine touchdowns on the year. Pretty thickly built receiver as well, so I, I think he's a guy to, to keep an eye out for. Jake Bobo. Uh, didn't run the 40 at the Combine, but really a slow 40 time there for the Bruins. 6'4", 206. I'd love to see him potentially put some, some weight on his on, on that body, on that frame, and, and potentially convert himself to a tight end. Has incredible hands and, uh, look, just had a knack for getting open. Um, J- Jacob Copeland, not overly productive there for, for Maryland and Florida. Just 5'11", 201. Runs a 4'4", 240 at the Combine. 
I think he could potentially be one of those explosive athletes that, that you're going to be looking for. Teams are always looking for that. Uh, Jason Brownlee of Southern Miss, 6'2", 198. Ran a 4.59.40, but look, you know, 39-inch vertical leap. I think that's part of his game. He's the guy that's going to get, get uh, you know, win those 50-50 balls, um, back shoulder throws, throw fades to him down in, in the end zone, and he's a guy that's going to be able to go go up and get it. Um, Grant DuBose of Charlotte, 6'2", 201. Um, he was incredibly productive there for the 49ers. So I think that's another guy to me that, that kind of stood out at times. A guy that made some plays there at the Senior Bowl as well, a name that people really aren't talking about, but you know, I thought he was really a solid receiver there for Charlotte. Um, you know, Demario Douglas, diminutive, 5'8", 179 there for Liberty, runs a 4'4", 39-inch uh, vertical leap for a guy you know, that size. So you know the lower body explosiveness is absolutely there. I still think he's quicker than he is fast, which is a scary proposition when he's running a 4-4-4. But he, he's a guy that I think could end up sticking at the next level because of the route running ability, the, the, the shiftiness, the suddenness to his game. Those are things that, you know, that look, teams are going to love that. Teams are going to want to get a guy like Demario Douglas on their roster and just see what he can do. Can we put him into the return game? Can we potentially uh, get the ball in his hands running the football as well? Uh, look, you know, two pump returns for a touchdown, that's definitely going to be something that teams are going to be eyeing as well. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't rule him out there as, as a guy that could potentially get drafted or potentially stick on a roster when it's all said and done. Mitchell Tinsley out of Penn State. A lot of people talking about him, what he did during um, – some of the all-star games, you know, a guy that can make some plays for you. Uh, he's another guy to watch out for. I thought Malik Keith out of Mississippi down the stretch for Ole Miss, 6'2", 219, uh, I'm sorry, 213, ran a 4'6", at the combine. So again, not a guy that's going to be overly explosive. So he's not going to really wow you or turn your head um, and say, okay, we've got to draft this guy. But the transfer from Mississippi State, um, you know, he went over 100 yards five times th this past season, 971 yards receiving. And uh, look, down the stretch, you know, he had, uh, let's see, against Bama, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and, and Texas Tech, all four losses. You know, Mississippi really struggled down the stretch. But this was a guy that you know, had 28 receptions in those games. It was a guy that came up huge. So really, if you're looking at Malik Heath tape, those last four games really shows you what he's capable of doing. He, he's a guy, he's not quite on the same size as Justin Shorter, but he's just one of those guys that I look at and say, you know, I, I like the frame. I like his ability to make some plays over the middle. Um, he's a guy that I might want to take a chance on there. And then Elijah Higgins out of Stanford, 6'3", 235, 45440. To me, I look at Elijah Higgins. He's a big, thick, physical receiver and uh, you know, decent uh, ability getting down the field. But you know, when I look at him, I think he's a guy that probably can end up playing tight end uh, at the next level when it's all said and done. Um, one final guy is Elijah Cooks out of uh, San Jose State. Started his career there at Nevada, 6'4", 215. Incredibly productive receiver um, this past season for the Spartans. 69 catches, over 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. Look, he struggled to stay on the field there at Nevada. That's really the biggest thing. But uh, look, every time I've, I've watched the Spartans play, he was the guy that, that drew me to him. Number four for, for the Spartans. He, he's just one of those receivers. You know, will he end up sticking in the NFL? I, I don't know that he will, but he's one of those receivers that I think 
You look at the XFL. You look at uh, you know Canada in the CFL. You look at the USFL. There are going to be some of the other other options for a lot of these guys, uh, guys that could potentially make a practice squad. But look, in the spring, uh, a lot of these receivers there uh, that we've been talking about. You know, and there's look. You know, I think I've talked about another dozen receivers, and I could see them starting moving into the XFL, moving into the USFL, Canada as well, and potentially developing their game potentially coming back to the NFL. So those are the guys that I, I really think you know I, I'm looking at, mostly from the FBS level. If you wanted to look at a couple of other guys there from uh, FCS territory, then obviously you're going to be looking at Shaquan Davis, South Carolina State, big receiver. He's 6'5", 180 pounds, just 45 receptions this past season, but 934 yards. 11 touchdowns, that's 20.8 yards per reception. This guy was an absolute downfield threat and you know, for the Bulldogs. And it, it, I think if you're talking about a receiver in the FCS level you know, that matches what we saw out of Andre Iosivas, I think Shaquan Davis is going to be that name that we could potentially hear um, called probably towards the, the back end of, uh, of day number three. Could also be one of those priority free agents, but a guy I love – the, the size and I love his ability to make plays down the football field so I wouldn't rule him out at the next level as well so we've gone through all the receivers 32 receivers I think will probably be the magic number for this draft class I've got 14 coming off the board in the first two days of the draft just four in round one we could obviously shift some of that around. We could potentially be looking at as many as five, even six receivers in round one. I think four to five really makes the most sense, though. Um, and then uh, you're going to see some value not only through day two, but into day three. I think you're going to see some of that value as well. And then some of those wild cards that we talked about. Can, can these guys really continue that development and uh, if so, then a team could really find a diamond in, in the rough there towards the end of this draft. So we'll put an end to the receiver class, which means the next podcast, we're going to be talking about that tight end class. This may be a tight end class for the ages. If you're a team that's looking for a starter at tight end, or potentially you want to make sure that you have a one-two punch at tight end, this is the draft for you. And the crazy thing about it is, is you've got a lot of guys who can fill a lot of different roles. You've got guys that could be a true Y. Um, you know, the, you know, you've got a Michael Mayer who's going to be that polished blocker and receiver. You've got exceptional explosive receivers like Dalton Kincaid. You've got the raw but incredibly athletic guys like Zach Kuntz uh, and, and Luke Musgrave. Darnell Washington, I don't know what he is. This guy's an absolute freak of nature. He's 6'7", 264, runs, uh, you know, what, in the four sixes. And then when you watch him move the sled at the combine, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that was moving it with ease. That was the guy that was doing it. But they're not alone. You could sit there and talk about Luke Schoonmaker. You could talk about Sam Laporta. You could be talking about Tucker Craft. And then even if you get into later on in the draft, guys like, Davis Allen out of Clemson, Payne Durham potentially. And how about the 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 late riser in the draft, Brenton Strange of Penn State? 
Look, like I said, there's probably 10 to 12 guys that could end up starting for an NFL franchise at some point in their career. Some of these guys could come in day one and start for for an NFL team. And uh, there are plenty of teams that are out there that are looking for tight ends at some point in this draft. So it's really going to be fun to kind of put some of those names to some of those places. And we're going to go ahead and do that here in the next day or two. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. The countdown to the draft is on. We're going to make it through every single position group. We're going to talk about those. We're going to get to my final mock draft. There's a lot to cover. There's a lot that could be changing between now and April 27th, and I'll try to make sure that we cover all of that for you so that you are ready that when Roger Goodell steps to the podium and says, hey, the NFL draft is open and the Carolina Panthers are now on the clock You'll be ready for all three days of the draft. I can't wait. And I hope you stick around and enjoy the ride with me. So until next time, everyone, for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Enjoy your week. Get ready for the content. Check out the website, readyforthedraft.com. And until next time, everyone, I am out of here.